Uh, we are going to begin our practical section of the epistle to the Colossians. We finished uh, the doctrinal portion last week, and uh, so we will be starting this evening with uh, Colossians chapter 3. So turn in your Bibles to Colossians 3, and we're going to cover uh, verses 1 to 4 this evening. And uh, before we get started, I want to ask the Lord to help us, all right? Father, you are our helper. You truly are um, all we need. And you truly are all we have because the things of this world, whether they are people or they are things, they are only temporary. And we know it's only the word of God and the souls of men that will last for eternity. And so we pray, Father, that even tonight as we look at this most pointed portion of your word to set our affection on things above, not on things of this earth, Lord. And the reason is because our life is hidden with you. And so, Father, help us to grasp the meaning. Help us to grasp the heart attitude to obey and to long for that, where nothing matters but Christ alone. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. It's been my joy over the many years, I guess maybe 30 now, to uh, disciple and counsel women. And uh, the reason I say it's a joy, it's a joy to watch them grow in their walk with Christ. And honestly, sometimes it's just downright fun. And uh, one of the common issues that I deal with when I'm trying to help women is time management. I don't know how many times over the past few years I've had people say, Susan, you need to write a book on discipline. Uh, I'm not going to do that. That's not my plan. But the, the reason I say that is a lot of women have struggles in disciplining their time. And so they want help in how to manage their time better. In fact, yesterday I was Skyping with a girl in India, and uh, I actually gave her this assignment that I usually give when someone says, well, you know, I just don't have time. I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to do this. And so I usually give this assignment which I gave yesterday to this girl. And the assignment is to, for one week, to journal everything that you do. And I'm not saying, like, going to the bathroom or something like that. You know, but from 9 to 10, what do you do? 10 to 11. And then they keep that for a week, and then we talk about it. And so a lot of times it's an opportunity for me to help them and for them to see perhaps where some of their time is being wasted and how they could manage their time a little bit better. And sometimes what I've noticed, it also reveals a bigger issue, and that is their heart. Where does their affection lie? Does it lie in things above or does it lie in things of the earth? Uh, Do they have an affinity for spiritual things or is their affection for worldly things? And so many times it's a great exercise, a revealer of the heart. And ladies, as daughters of the king, our life should be different in the sense that we have been called out to glorify God and to live for things above. And so as we begin chapter 3 of Colossians, the Apostle Paul is going to write regarding this important forgotten truth. Paul has now ended the doctrinal section of the epistle to the Colossians, and now he's going to get into the practical. In fact, ladies, I've mentioned this many times, but what you believe 
dictates how you live your life. Whatever you believe tonight, doctrinally, will determine how you get out of bed in the morning and how you live your day tomorrow. And so it's very important that we have our doctrine right. Um, so now that we've been convinced, I hope I have convinced you since uh, last September, now that we're convinced that Gnosticism is nonsense and dangerous, and we have rejected all aspects of this false teaching, then how do we live? Now that you and I have put off legalism and mysticism and asceticism and all those things, then what do I put on instead? Anytime we put off something, we have to put on something in its place. Well, let's listen in as Paul answers these questions from Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Notice what he writes. If you then, being right, raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. For you are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, you shall also appear with him in glory. Now, as we consider the title of our lesson tonight, Where is Your Affection?, We're going to discover where it is from verses 1 and 2. So where's your affection? You're going to discover where it is from verses 1 and 2. And then we're going to discover why it's there. Why is your affection there from verses 3 and 4? So where is it and why is it there? So let's look at verse 1 to discover where is your affection? Where's my affection? Notice what Paul says. If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Now, as we begin chapter 3, Paul starts with the word uh, if. And we saw last week, if you look back at 2.20, I know some of you weren't here. He said the same thing, if you are dead. And we brought out last week, Paul is not wondering about their salvation. The Greek word is actually translated since. Since you are dead with Christ. Here in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, since then you are risen with Christ. Seek those things that are above. Paul is not in doubt about their salvation. Since you are raised with him, then seek those things with, which are above. Now you might say, well, Susan, this is a little confusing. Last week, you said he said, since you're dead. Now he says, since you're, since you're been raised. I mean, how can it be both? Well, it is both. It's not odd. Why? Because ladies, you and I are dead to sin. As we saw last week, we're dead to ourself, but We're risen to new life in Christ. We've been raised together to a new life. So Paul goes on to say, since you were raised with Christ, seek those things that are above. Now, the interesting word raised or risen, your translation might say, when it says risen with Christ or raised with Christ, means to arouse from death to be in company with someone. So here we have been aroused from death to be in company with who? With Christ. Ladies, Paul writes about this in Romans 6, 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we will be united together in the likeness of his resurrection. Ladies, we've died with Christ. We've risen to new life with him. So because of this fact, because we're dead to the old man, to the old Susan Joy Heck, because that person is dead, because I'm now alive with Christ, then Paul says, what's my responsibility? Seek those things which are above. And by the way, ladies, this is a command. This is not an option. You should be seeking those things that are above. Now, the verb seek 
means to persevere. In fact, it's a persevering effort. It's something you agonize for, you strive for. In fact, it implies to seek earnestly, constantly be seeking those things that are above. And ladies, it's not just a seeking to discover. You know, a lot of people, they'll uh, go to Bible study or go to church or do things just because they want to get more facts, more knowledge. But that's not what Paul's saying. It's a seeking to obtain, to grasp hold of something. It's very similar to what we saw two years ago when we were studying the Sermon on the Mount. Remember Matthew 6:33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. And so it's a persevering effort. It's a strenuous effort to seek those things that are above. Now, what are the things above? What is Paul talking about? What's he writing about when he says, seek the things that are above? Well, the word above means things that are upward or things that are on the top and that he'll define it here in just a little bit. And this is in contrast to the Gnostics. They were not seeking the things that are above, right? They were seeking things here on earth. Mysticism, legalism, asceticism, philosophy, all the things that the world has to offer. They were in pursuit of all these things that men offer, but nothing that Christ offers. Paul says, no, you've died to that stuff. You've been risen to life in Christ. Now seek him. In fact, when he says seek those things that are above, it means seek his character, seek his presence, seek his heavenly joys, seek Christ, seek him. Ladies, we're no longer under the rule of earthly things like angel worship, philosophy, traditions, and the things that produce false humility. You are under the rule of heavenly things, the things of Christ. And you know what that produces? A genuine humility. You know, you can tell if you've ever been around someone who's legalistic or, or um, you know, involved in mysticism or rigid asceticism that we talked about last week. That produces a false humility. If you've been around someone who's really pursuing the things of Christ and walking with the Lord and having a vital relationship with the Lord, it produces what? A genuine humility, not a false humility. Now, maybe some of you are thinking just like the Colossians might be thinking. Well, Paul says, I'm supposed to seek those things that are above. So he must be still saying, you know, maybe he's Paul's lost it a little bit and he thinks I'm supposed to be seeking, you know, angels. Angels are above, right? So maybe I'm supposed to seek astrology and angel worship. But that's not what Paul's talking about. Notice he defines heavenly things a little bit different by the statement where he says this. Seek those things that are, where are which are above where what Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Ladies, we know that God is in heaven, and so Paul is saying what? Seek heavenly things, things that pertain to God, things that pertain to Christ. And it's interesting here that he talks about Christ sitting on the right hand of God because that is a position of what? Authority. And so what's he saying? Seek the person of Christ, the one who is sitting at God's right hand. In fact, uh, in Ephesians 1.20, the sister epistle, we haven't brought this out lately, but Paul mentions something very similar there. He says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at the right hand in heavenly places. In fact, an interesting fact, a person who is sitting at someone's right hand, you know what that means? It means that person has equal authority, equal honor, equal Dignity. And isn't that what we've been learning 
in Colossians, if you have forgotten the doctrinal part, isn't that what we have been learning? That in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, that Christ is the image of the invisible God. He is God in the flesh, everything that God is, Christ was. And so Paul is just reiterating that. And he's once again, as he begins chapter 3 in the practical portion, he's setting forth Christ must be supreme above anything else. So how can we know where our affection is? First of all, by what we seek, by what we seek. Do we seek earthly things or do we seek eternal things? Or, or Yeah, or eternal things. Well, we now come to the second way in which we can know where our affection is. Ladies, it's not only what we seek, it's what we think. Look at verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. This is another command. Again, not an option. Ladies, if you have been, if you are, have been dead with Christ and risen to new life in him, you are to be setting your mind on things above. In fact, some translations read this. Set your affection on things above. Set your will on things above. Set your moral consideration on things above. You know what Paul's saying? Exercise your mind. That's not something we do very often, is it? Exercise your mind. Ladies, this command is also in the present imperative, which means this is to be a continuous, ongoing effort. You can never stop exercising your mind. If you do, you give Satan a foothold, and boy, he loves to get in your mind and mess it up. You've got to discipline your mind. Now, Ladies, this doesn't mean that I just think about things above occasionally or when I read about heaven or I hear a sermon about heaven or I hear a sermon about Christ. But I should be constantly seeking heavenly things, constantly studying heavenly things. Let my heart be occupied with things above. Now, the Gnostics sought higher things, that is greater knowledge, mysticism, angel worship, and the like. But Paul says, no, seek higher things. Seek Christ. He is the ultimate. He is the highest. Now, at first glance, you might say, well, Susan, seeking things above and setting my affection on things above are one and the same, but they're not. Listen very carefully. The first one, seeking, suggests you're striving, you're agonizing. The second one suggests concentrating. So they're two different things. Well, after Paul states the positive, that is where we are to be placing our affections and our minds, he then states the negative, where we are not to be setting our affection, where we are not to be setting our minds. Ladies, he says, do not set them on the earth. Heaven and earth are two complete opposites. And again, this was all that the Gnostics came in and taught the church at Colossae. Hey, set your, set your affections on traditions of men. Set your affection on legalism. Set your affection on rigid asceticism. Ladies, can you imagine all these regulations, how much time it took to think about this? You know, am I going to touch this? Am I going to touch that? Am I going to do this? Should I do this? Should I not do this? In fact, we were talking last week in our group and we were talking about, uh, you know, diets. Women are always on diets. And we were talking about, you know, you have to think about what am I going to eat? Am I going to eat this? Am I not going to eat that? And, you know, being happy if you lose a few pounds, being sad if you gain a few pounds. All this time, ta- all that stuff, rigid asceticism and legalism, you know what? it is 
It's a lot of wasted time and thinking, and it takes your thoughts off of Christ and onto yourself, doesn't it? In fact, I was almost rejoicing today. I read an article uh, on my news this morning about uh, some, I don't even know who it was, but somebody in Hollywood uh, came out and said, it's time for women to quit going on diets and just be happy with the body they have. And I was like, amen. Yes, I I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, she's trying to get on a bag women to get these women in Hollywood to quit starving themselves so they can be a certain size. All that stuff takes time, doesn't it? You've been on diets. You know, what am I going to eat? What am I, you know, do I do this? Well, same thing with, with the things that Colossian believe, or the Gnostics were coming in and teaching the Colossian believers. It takes a lot of time. Now, ladies, at least you think, you know, well, Susan has really lost it. I mean, she has lost her mind. You know, she's, she's saying, I'm supposed to be so heavenly minded that I am of no earthly good. I want you to hear me out. Paul is not saying that we should never think about things on the earth. But ladies, that should not be our aim. That should not be our goal. That should not be our master in life. We should not be engrossed in them. I mean, I'm just like you, you know. I have to cook a meal and I have to clean my house and I do all the things you do. Doesn't mean I can't, I don't think about those things, but I should not be engrossed in them. For example, most of us in this Room, I believe, have had the experience of moving, right? I have moved uh, 12 times in 42 years of being married. And I remember one time that Doug and I moved, <clears throat> and I said to myself, Self, how are you going to keep your mind on things above as you go through this move? You know, you think about it, there's packing, unpacking, uh, selling a house, buying a house, house, turning off the utilities, turning on utilities, uh, purchasing, purchasing things for a new house, getting rid of things from the old house, and on and on. And I was like, Lord, would you just help me? I don't want to get caught up in this world as I move. And I remember then the Lord in his kindness helped me to see how even in a move on this earth that my mind could be fixed on the heavenlies. You know what I begin to do? I begin to view my move in light of eternity. How can this new house be best used for the kingdom? I begin to pray about who would occupy our old house and ask that God would still use that house for his glory. I ask the Lord to help me to be a blessing to others during the packing process. I ask the Lord who could use some of these things that we no longer need. How can I represent you, Lord, in every minute detail through this move? And I also thought, I have to tell you, I also thought, and I think about this a lot, the blessing it will be on that final move, right? My move to glory, and I'm not going to have to take all this stuff, and I'm so happy about that, and I'm not going to be carrying a U-Haul when I go to heaven, and all this junk we accumulate on earth, and I thought, that's the best part of this move. Ladies, I really believe no matter what earthly things we have to be involved in while we're passing through, we can remain heavenly-minded. In fact, one man puts it this way. The Christian has to keep his feet upon the earth, but his head in the heavens. He must be heavenly minded here on earth and so to help to make earth like heaven. Ladies, our mindset is a deliberate act of our will. In fact, Paul helps us in another place in 2 Corinthians 4.18. He says, we don't look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are what? Temporal. But the things that are not seen, those are the things 
that are eternal. Ladies, we must keep in mind, and the older I get, it's not so hard to keep in mind. We are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. We are just passing through. Our life is a vapor. And uh, I hope you did the homework assignment this week and looked at Hebrews 11. I mean, did you look at how they went through life considering the things that are above and setting their affection on things above? They remembered they were pilgrims. They were strangers. They were just passing through. They wanted a better country, right? In fact, maybe if some of you in this room uh, knew that tomorrow morning you're going to be sawed in half, like some of them were, if you read Hebrews 11, some of them were sawed in half, uh, you might be thinking about heavenly things, right? A couple of days ago when Hawaii got that text message that, uh, you know, a missile was coming from North, degree, North Korea to blow them up, I've read a lot of those people's stories. I mean, they started thinking about heaven real quick. I'm sure some of them repented and confessed their sins, and maybe even some people got saved. I don't know. But uh, that would cause you to be more heavenly minded if you thought your life was in danger, right? Ladies, we are an indulgent and pampered people. We know little about suffering or the threat of persecution. But this does not mean all things are going to continue as they have been. A wise woman will prepare herself now for the day of adversity by being a woman who's committed to seeking heaven and thinking heaven. Then your strength will not fail in the day of adversity. Ladies, keep in mind, this is not your home. You're just passing through. Heaven is where you and I will be forever. So why not seek it? Why not think it? So we have two answers as we consider where our affections are. First of all, the answer lies in what we seek. Eternal things are heavenly things. And secondly, the answer lies in what we think. Do we think heaven or do we think earth? Now, why does the redeemed man, the redeemed woman, seek and think heavenly things? Well, the answer is also twofold as seen in verses 3 and 4. Paul says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Paul says you died. The Greek is it's a definite act. You died. You died. Your former life died. All the evil of that life died when you came to Christ. You're dead to yourself. You're dead to sin. You also died to the elementary things of the world. You're dead to traditions of men. You're dead to Judaism. You're dead to rules. You're dead to legalism. You're dead to asceticism. Ladies, it's just like someone who is dead physically. They don't care what you do with their earthly possessions. They're dead. In fact, I remember this was brought home to me so vividly 10 years ago when my mom was on a tour. She was on her way to Mongolia, China. She had a layover in Irkutsk, Russia, and she suffered two massive heart attacks, which took her life. And it was a very confusing time for us seven kids. And I had just seen my mom, and she I thought she was in great health. And uh, we had to contact some people in Russia and get her body shipped back to Oklahoma. And, you know, it was confusing. We had to plan all this stuff very quickly, the memorial service and um, the funeral for her. And so we buried my mom in a purple dress, and I remember... Uh, a couple of months later, my sister had been going through Mother's things, and she called me one day, and she said, Susan, she said, um, I'm reading Mother's Wishes, and Mother wants to be buried in that little yellow dress that she knit. And I said, Janet, Mother is dead. She does not care 
And I said, what dress she's buried in. And I said, we are not going to spend money to exhume her body and take off the purple dress and put on a yellow dress. Mom was dead. She didn't care. Ladies, that's what Paul is saying here in the spiritual realm. We have died spiritually. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. We've died to those earthly entrappings. They shouldn't matter. We should, doesn't matter to us any of that stuff. So we must consider ourselves dead to the things of this world. In fact, Paul goes on to add that not only are we dead, but notice what he says. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. Ladies, our life has been hidden with Christ and God, and it should remain that way. In fact, the word hidden is a wonderful word that implies concealment, safety, and security. Isn't that great? In fact, it refers to a treasure which is hid or concealed in a secure place. You know, the idea is this. Do you know that your eternal life is a treasure which has been laid up with Christ in a secure place, which is heaven? Ladies, that's the best safe there is. You know, those safes you have at home that you put your guns or your money or whatever you put in there. That's not the best safe. The best safe is heaven where we're going to live forever. Ladies, your eternal life has been safely deposited. Nothing can reach it. No one can take it away. Isn't that great? In fact, our life is preserved intact and no harm can come to it. And ladies, when we consider this precious fact, it should cause us as believers to live with heaven in mind. Why? That's where our treasure is. That's where our home is. That's where our treasure has been deposited. We are safe there. In fact, Jesus mentions mentions this concept in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember when he said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust is corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves what? Treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, nor where thieves break through and steal. And then he goes on to say, for where your treasure is what? There will your heart be also. We studied that passage. We discovered if your treasure is here on earth, that's where your heart is. If your treasure is in heaven, that's where your heart is. Ladies, it begs us to consider what occupies our heart, what occupies our mind, what occupies our time, what occupies our energies. Is your mind occupied with clothes, food, Internet, which includes Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and all the other possibilities out there in cyberspace. In fact, today I was trying to find a cover for my next book, and we're trying to find a bird and lilies, and because uh, it's the Sermon on the Mount, and I thought, well, you know, consider the lilies of the valley, valley and consider the birds. And so I'm sitting there trying to find some birds and lilies. I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, you Google that, and there's like thousands. And, th- and I was sitting there in my den. I thought, I am wasting so much time doing this, trying to find this. But, you know, we waste a lot of time doing that stuff, don't we? Maybe for you it's not that. It might be your body, your marriage, your children, your job. What occupies your mind? In fact, I brought, I was reading this in preparation to meet with Emily in the morning. Not that she has a problem with her appearance or anything, but we're going through the biblical counseling guide for women, and tomorrow our chapter is on appearance. And I thought this was really interesting in light because a lot of women have trouble with this. We talked about this last week with, with, uh, you know, diets and exercise and rigid asceticism. But the author, John Street, writes this. He says, there's nothing eternal about our external appearance. 
Even the most beautiful celebrities must increase their beauty treatments as they age, and when they're in the grave, all of us will decay and waste away. What makes you look nice today, the attention you're seeking from others, is fleeting. Your body is inevitably going to wither over the years. Your hair is going to turn gray. Your jewelry will eventually deteriorate. You will not always look the same as you do now. But as Peter stresses, it's vital for you to seek that which is imperishable, undefiled, undefading, your eternal inheritance, which will last forever. And then he goes on to say in the meek and quiet spirit, which is also going to last forever. Ladies, we spend so much time on that. Where is our mind? Is it on the outward woman or is it on the inward woman? My friend, this is the first reason why you... You think, you should think and seek heaven. The first reason is this. You are dead to self and alive with Christ. You're dead to yourself and you're alive with Christ. There's also a second reason why you should be heavenly minded. It's found in verse four as we close. Paul says, when Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Paul says this Christ who is your life. Guess what? He's coming back. He's going to appear. And you know what? You are going to appear with him in glory. And you know what's going to happen then? All these things that you're doing now here on earth are not going to matter. You know all those rules and regulations that you've been following? If you're involved in rigid asceticism and legalism, you know it's not going to matter. None of that's going to matter. Why? Your life has been hidden with Christ in God. Ladies, it's not going to matter how many times you've denied your body, how many diets you've been on, how many uh, sons you've circumcised, how many visions you've claimed to have seen. If you have followed all the ABC rules we've talked about, none of that's going to matter when Christ appears. You know what's going to matter? It's going to matter if your life was hidden with Christ in God. That's what's going to matter. Now, Paul is reminding them here of the hope they have in heaven. Remember, this is one of the four things that Colossian believers were known for. Their faith, their hope, their love, and their fruit bearing. Paul says, when Christ who is our life appears, then we will appear with him in glory. Ladies, what a blessed truth. Maybe one we need to remind ourselves of. I think of what John says. Beloved, now are we the children of God. and It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear is what? We will be like him and we will see him as he is. And then he goes on to say what? Every man that has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. And even Paul writes in Thessalonians when he's talking about uh, if we believe in, believe that Jesus died and rose again. He says, then we will also believe that God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. And he goes on to say, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not precede them who are asleep. For the Lord himself will what? Descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive will remain what? Be caught up together with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord? That's exactly what Paul's saying. When Christ who is our life will appear what? We will appear with him in glory. Ladies, what a wonderful, wonderful truth. In fact, C.S. Lewis describes glory as a longing all human beings have for something that can hardly be expressed. He called it a desire which no natural happiness will satisfy 
Ladies, we should not only look upward to Christ in heaven where he reigns over us, but also look forward to his return for us in glory. I remember growing up, you know, it seems like I heard more sermons growing up on prophecy and heaven, and people talked about it a lot. But you don't hear uh, many sermons about that now. I don't think people are interested in sermons about heaven or prophecy. They're not popular. Why? Our minds aren't set there. Our mind is set here, right? You know what we want today? We want sermons that appeal to our felt needs that don't press us to think about eternity. Ladies, we should be thinking about death every day. Everyone in here is going to die at some point, right? Unless we're raptured out of here. And you know, it's no wonder our churches are weak. The members are spiritually sick. We don't think about eternity. We don't think about heaven. Why do we seek to find contentment and joy in this life which passes so quickly when our eternal life is forever? Why are we laying up stuff here when this is just a shadow of what is to come, which is our Lord and his glory? So when we answer the question, where is my affection, we consider two things. First of all, the answer lies in what I seek, eternal things or heavenly things. So what do you seek? If you were to keep a time journal this week of all of your activities, what would it it reveal about your pursuits? Would they be heavenly or would they be worldly? Secondly, the second answer lies in what we think as we're thinking about where's my affection. Do I think heaven? Do I think earth? As you go through your day, where does your mind wander? Are you thinking heaven or are you thinking earth? And I might ask you this. Are your days so crowded with noise and activity that you can't think? I don't know about you. I get weary of going places where the music's loud. I can't, you know, everything is noisy. Ladies, some days I think we, we crowd ourselves with noise and activity to drown out the voice of God. I pray heaven is truly what we seek and think. The second question we ask, why do we seek and think heaven? First of all, because we're dead to self and alive to Christ. In what ways has your life manifested that you are dead to sin and dead to yourself? In what ways does your life exhibit that you are alive to Christ? And then the second reason we should think and seek heaven is because we're going to appear with Christ in glory. Does the fact that Christ is going to appear one day motivate you to pursue heavenly things? If not, why not? Now, in closing, maybe you're wondering, Susan, how can I practically set my mind on things above? I mean, Susan, I'm busy. Um, I'm raising kids, cooking meals, homeschooling, doing laundry, meeting my family's needs, paying the bills, cleaning the house. Now I'm getting ready to do my taxes. All these responsibilities. How can I set my affection on things above? Well, in closing, I want to give you four practical suggestions that I think will be helpful. First of all, a heavenly mind must begin with prayer. Ladies, have you ever asked the Lord to make you more heavenly minded. Have you ever prayed about that? Lord, I know I'm caught here in the earthlies. Could you please make me more heavenly minded? Set, help me set my affection on things above, not on things of this earth. The second practical thing that we must do is have a mindset 
That is heaven. Have it. It's a deliberate act of your will. Set your mind on things above. I mean, even if you're going on a vacation or having lunch with a friend or you're trying to fix dinner, uh, even in those things, you can still set your mind on things above. For example, when you plan a trip, set your mind on your final trip, right? The one that's going to take you home to heaven. Hopefully not that vacation, but that you're going to go to heaven. When you're having lunch with a friend, do you ever think about the fact that if that friend's a Christian, that one day you're going to have perfect fellowship in heaven? Isn't that wonderful? Maybe it's not wonderful to you. I think it's wonderful. When you're cooking a meal for your family, you ever set your mind on the marriage supper of the lamb, what that's going to be like? And set your mind on the lamb too? I know a lot of times when I'm cooking dinner, if Doug doesn't have the news on, I you know, try to work on my scripture memory or put on my earbuds and listen to worship music, something to get my mind off sometimes the mundane work of cooking dinner. Thirdly, a heavenly mindset must hold loosely to the things on the earth. Remember the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. He said, You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and the mother. You know what the rich young ruler said? All these things I've kept from my youth up. What do I lack yet? Jesus said, Go and sell all you have. Give to the poor. And then come follow me. And it says the rich man went away very sad. Why? Because he had possessions. He had lots of money. He didn't want to go and sell all that he had and give to the poor. In fact, Luke's, or Mark says he looked on him and loved him. Ladies, are there any earthly possessions that you're holding on to tightly? In fact, I remember one time asking myself that question. Susan, is there anything materially that you're holding on to tightly? And when I answered that question, the question, the answer was my house I was currently living in at that time. And we're not living in that house anymore. So uh, the Lord just took that out of my hands right away. Ladies, a good exercise you might try is this. Try to give something away which you value very much. Where your treasures, there is your heart also. A mindset that is set on heaven will hold the things of this earth loosely. In fact, I was talking to my daughter the other day. We were talking about something, and I said, Well, honey, what I have found out is if I start having an affection towards some piece of clothing, some piece of jewelry, I said, You know what happens? It gets lost. God doesn't want me to have anything above him. She goes, I know, Mom. I found that true, too. Fourthly, A heavenly mindset would be wise to memorize scripture that has to do with heaven. Do you do that? I quoted a few of those for you. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 John 3, Matthew 6, don't lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. This passage we're looking at tonight, Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Great passage. That's just a few of them. You might do get a concordance and search some uh, passages of your own that you like on heaven, on eternity. Commit them to memory. Meditate on them throughout the day. Ladies, fixing our attention on things above involves centering our life on the ascended, glorified Christ who is seated at the right hand of God. When you think about it, what is here on earth that makes us so fond of it? Heaven is better, and it's where our heart should be drawn to. Why? Because our head is there, our home is there, our treasure is there. And if you've committed your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you're going to live there forever. 
In fact, my husband believes that one of our first responses when we get to heaven is going to be laughter because we're going to wonder why we held on to this. In fact, one of his favorite quotes that is framed and hangs in our living room says this. If we insist on keeping hell or even earth, we will never see heaven. If we accept heaven, we will not be able to retain even the smallest and most intimate souvenirs of hell. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful that when you appear, we will also appear with you in glory. So thankful that we have that day to look forward to when you return and take us home. I'm so thankful that this is not our home, that we are just passing through. Lord, as we live in a world that is full of idolatry and immorality, that seems to be spiraling down so fast we can't keep up, I pray that you would work a special grace in these women's hearts, help them to set their affection on things above and not on things of this earth because their life is hidden with Christ in God. So, Father, we need your help because we are bombarded daily with stuff of this earth. And I just pray, God, that you would give us each the grace that we need to make a deliberate mindset to think heaven and to think Christ. And I pray this in his precious name. Amen.